This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. It is Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM. The fan. Toby are in for Steve Sparky Pfeiffer today alongside Adam Roberts here in the Lakeland University Studios. Learn offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Sparky's Midday Madness, of course, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Want to start by talking a little bit about something that I doubt Sparky would talk about. Can I guess what this might be, Toby Altizer? <laughs> Give it a guess. Hmm. Well, let's see. We've been talking brewers most of the day here on The Fan. Talked a little fantasy football. We talked MLB draft. What else happened over the weekend? And what over the weekend would pique the interest of one Toby Altizer? I'm going to guess the Open Championship. 100%. The Open Championship. What a phenomenal final round. Incredible. Because here's one thing that frustrated me, Adam. And I don't like when we do this. It doesn't happen as much in team sports because it can't because then it would come across as really unprofessional from media. But they do it in individual sports, whether it's tennis, golf. I don't really like when you can obviously tell that a broadcast or like the, just the general feel, it's different if like everyone in the stands is cheering for one guy to win. Like, that's fine. But it's not fun when the broadcast team, the coverage of it pre and post... Everyone was cheering for Rory on Sunday. I have no problem with cheering for Rory, but I don't want to hear it because I like Cam Smith. And I'm like, he he played his tail off to win that thing. And yet it seemed like it was almost like, oh man, Rory lost. Uh, Cam Smith won. Well, that's cool, but uh, Rory lost. How much? I know Cam's not a live guy. Well, how, well, well. Uh, I guess there's, that, that there's been be some rumors. There. There's been some rumors. So maybe to that point, how much of it do you think is the broadcast team being told? All right, now listen up. We're not talking about that other league. Rory's our guy. We're going to be defending him. Oh, no, he's it's losing. Just, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's the same thing that happens sometimes with, I guess, tennis to an extent where, you know, it could be whoever against Nadal or whoever against Federer, and they might be an awesome story, but it's almost like in the back of your mind, like, oh, man, Federer lost that point. Oh, man, I wanted Nadal to win. Like those sort of things that happen sometimes. And you can't really do that much as much in team sports because – if someone's calling a basketball game in the playoffs and it's very clear, like it's not like a Bucks feeling slighted clear. It's like a very clear that they're cheering for one team. Then that's very unprofessional and it's going to get called out. But you could tell on the broadcast yesterday, they wanted Rory to win. I mean, the fans all wanted Rory to win. That was obvious, especially being over in Scotland and the British open and all the stuff with Rory. And, and that's not the different fair. Things. That's fine. That's that the fans all want that, but I don't want to hear that on the broadcast. And like, 
they kept talking about like, oh, Rory's. I mean, even just seeing different things on Twitter and stuff, it's like, no, Rory didn't. And I don't even know if I'd say Rory lost that championship as much as Cam Smith came up and took it by shooting a 30 on the back nine. But it just frustrated me when you see some stuff like that. Because I really like Cam Smith, and I think it's unfair to the guys that actually go on to win these things. Not to mention, we talk about fans and broadcast teams rooting for one person over the other. How could you not want to root for Cam? As Kawhi Leonard would say, he's a real fun guy. (laughs) He is. And speaking of the fun guy, this is what he had to say after he won in his interview. I believe it was with Sky Sports. I don't know who it was, but this is him being interviewed on the 18th green after winning. Well, perhaps you can tell us how you're going to celebrate tonight with the Clara Jug. Uh, I'm definitely going to find out how many beers fit in this thing, that's for sure. Well, and his answer today, he posted on his Instagram. Hey guys, uh, I guess everyone's been asking the question of how many beers fit in the, in the Clara Jug. Uh, it's pretty much exactly two. Um, yeah, I had a good night last night with it. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> I love that guy. He, he like he just uh he he first went with that mullet and it looks terrible and he's got the mustache and it just doesn't look good but he just doesn't care. He just goes along with it. Maybe I have a soft spot for Aussies because I've been to Australia numerous times and it's something that I I love Australia and I've always wanted to go over there and now that I've been over there multiple times it it almost feels like a little connection there. Maybe like you feel with Canada to an extent. I feel Perhaps. that sort of connection with with uh, Australia. So maybe that's part of it. But I just enjoy watching Cam Smith. And I don't know how much... Did you catch any of this, Adam? Did you watch it? Uh, if I'm being honest, not really. Although that video that we played at the start, the clip, I did see that immediately after he won mixed in with my feed. And I knew as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, I know you're hosting the afternoon show. I will bet every dollar I've got it's coming up at some (laughs) point when you're on the air today. Oh, yeah, 100%. So Cam Smith, so I I really jinxed myself. On Sparky's Midday Madness on Friday, when we were cross-talking, we were talking about different things, and, and we talked a little bit about golf. Maybe this was before the show. I'm not sure if we talked about it on. But we were talking about how when you go golfing, there's different things that, you know, you've seen posts going around of, if you could have any specific golf superpower, what would you choose? And one of them was like automatic two-putt, one's hit every fairway or whatever. I said, well, I don't know if I need automatic two-putt because I basically two-putt everything, whether I'm 90 feet away, I'm nine feet away, I'm five feet away, 30 feet away. I two-putt everything. Well, Adam, I went out on Saturday. I did not two-putt everything. You one-putt everything. No, I'm so proud of you. I was three-putting everything, dude. Shoot. Three-putting everything. It was so bad. I hit I hit like uh, eight or nine fairways. I think I hit eight greens, and I three-putted like seven times. That kills a round. And the reason I bring that up is because Cam Smith did the exact opposite. Coming down the stretch, I think the, I think the stat was he putted like 13 or 14 times his final nine holes. So maybe it, was, maybe it was even less than that. But he did the same sort of thing at the players to win, and then he did the same thing down the stretch at the Open Championship. And there's no better putter in the game right now than Cam Smith. He just gets it done time in, time out. And I think he's at his best in these really low-scoring tournaments. You saw him win the Tournament of Champions earlier this year to kick off the season, and that was one at some stupid number like 30-some under par. This one ties the championship record of all majors at 20 under par. Won the players where it was kind of a putting exhibition there. So when he is at his best, with how the game of golf goes right now, I don't know if there's a better player than Cam Smith when Cam Smith's on his A game. I just thought of a topic that one of the shows here on the station should do. I probably shouldn't do this as a producer, giving away free topic ideas, but feel free to use it. I might use it because it's it's All Star Break Week. There's really not a whole lot going what are you talking on. About? There's plenty to talk about. Now. Oh, really? <laughs> Here's a topic idea, because you just mentioned your afternoon on the course, and then what Cam did yesterday mm-hmm. with his thirty through the nine that he played plus extra. Here's the thought: What sport has the widest gap between athletes at the top of their profession and average Joes? 
Because I think golf would be up on that list. Uh, yeah, probably some of these individual ones. Golf and tennis. You know, with at least with average Joes and like football. Yeah, they'd get crushed, but an average Joe can at least throw a football. The average Joe <laughs> that, that was really... not the case in my flag football intramurals in college. But the average Joe that really doesn't play golf all that much sometimes can barely even hit a golf ball. True, true. Think about tennis too. The average Joe when they try to hit it inside, they hit it like it's a home run derby and it goes outside the fence. So tennis, baseball, I think would be up there too because. The average Joe probably can't even hit a 45-mile-an-hour fastball or 50-mile-an-hour, much less trying to pump 80, 90 past him. Even though Sparky was telling me his kid, his 6-year-old, over the weekend was hitting pitches in the batting cage at 40. He's it, 6. Yeah, so maybe maybe I'm underestimating a little bit. Slow-pitch softball sort of thing, you can hit there, so I guess you can still have some sort of swing, but maybe you can't field something coming at you 90, 100 miles an hour off the bat. And basketball... I think that one would be maybe the different, like the the gap is huge, obviously. I don't want to steal your whole topic here, but again, like I said, I maybe shouldn't do this, but I don't really care because basketball. I'm helping like, you. Help an me. average Joe can at least make a layup, right? I mean, I think so. We all, when we were in high school and middle school, did Mike and drills where we would yeah. lay up one side, other side. Can you make a three? You gonna go to shooting? Can I make it? Yeah. Not physically. Mentally, sure, I can make every shot I you take. You can't make a three? Well, yes, I can make a three. Consistently, though, heck no. What was it that I challenged Rami to? We were going to play 2-1-2 before Rami yeah, that left never for Sacramento. Happened. Unfortunately, that didn't get to happen. I need to go and film because there was like a... He shot like 44 threes, and he made 12 of them. I know for a fact I'd make more than 12. You know, we have four producers on staff right now, regular, consistent ones. We got Evan and Mitch, but... You, me, Sam, Tim. That's a two-on-two right there. (laughs) It'll be me and Sam versus you and Tim. I was going to say, are you going to give me Sam? First to 21. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Tim, but yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit interesting. I don't don't know exactly how that would play out, but I would love to play basketball with you guys sometimes. I want to play with Bart because it says he's just awful. When I picture Bart dribbling a basketball – I think of Stanley from The Office with his arm back <laughs> and the left hand as no, he shuffles see, forward. I'll give Bart more. The, I think he undersells his athletic ability. I'm not saying that I think he's some freak athlete, but I think he can at least move a little bit. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't say with a straight face. I can't see that guy. Maybe if we were doing like apparently here at the station, they used to have a softball team. Because Sparky was telling me they used to put together a softball team great. every year. Why don't we He'd do be that again? Perfect for that. Yeah, why don't yeah, we why do, don't that we do again? a lot of that again? <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be great. We could do that. I want to do a shooting contest from Three Point Land with everyone here at the station because I'll take my chances against anyone. And I know Leroy usually works on the big show, and he'll say he's a shooter. I'll take Leroy down. I'll take Gary down. I'll take Sparky, and I'm not worried about any of the producers. And I'm definitely not worried about Bart. So that's pretty much everybody. I don't know. I mean, if we're, are we talking like just this station's group or the yes. whole building? Because uh, there are other people that work in other stations here. I'm trying to think. Who else is going to beat me? Mel? GA, maybe, from 105.7. Yeah, you know, he was at the Flugtag this weekend. I didn't know that. He was doing. He was interviewing the people in the pit after they would launch their flying machines off the ramp. He was interviewing people down in the pit. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe some of the guys, because I don't see Riggs and Alley beating me. I don't no. see Elizabeth and Radar. I don't know if anyone in the office is... Be- I don't know. I'll take my chances against anyone. Maybe it's a little cocky. I'll take my chances against anyone. You know, we should do if we do this. I know we've got the area out here in the parking lot. We should take it over by my house in Riverwest because we have the basketball court and then there's like a grassy knoll area on a hill where people can sit I get the word of mouth going and start marketing that thing out properly. We could fill Oof, Reservoir I Park. Shoot, I hate shooting we, outside. I sound so privileged, right? I hate shooting outside. Yeah, that's a first world thing to I don't like shooting outside. I'd rather shoot in a gym. Well, we got the Wisconsin Athletic Club just down the street. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need. All right. If you guys want to challenge me to a shooting contest or you want to talk about the Brewers, 
or the Open Championship, give us a call, 414-799-1250. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about the draft and the Brewers' weekend series against the Giants, and we'll get some of your guys' thoughts on that next here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals here on 1250 AM. The Fan. 12.50 a.m., The Fan. It is Sparky's Midday Madness. I'm Toby Altizer alongside Adam Roberts here on the Lakeland University Studios. I want to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, the weekend series, just a little bit as well as looking at their draft picks. Earlier today, Sparky talked with Patrick Ebert, and we'll play that back coming up in just a little bit as well to get his thoughts on the Brewers draft because no, Sparky was a little bit heated about the guys they took, so I want to hear that conversation again next segment. But right now, I want to go through just the weekend series. And Thursday, you know, we had time to talk about that one. The Brewers win that one. Friday, gosh, man, that that's such a tough loss. To lose a game in which you're up, you actually had the bats kind of show up, and then Josh Hader just throws it away, which I don't know what's going on with Hader. But hopefully he can figure it out. But it, man, it's just a little bit. It's a little bit worrisome that Josh Hader now is just continuing to go through. Because usually he goes through these rough patches every year, but they kind of just end really quick. But to have the couple of games that he's had over the last week, where you know he he blows a save, gives up a walk up walk off homer in Minnesota, and doesn't record an out, that's not Josh Hader. And then you have this one where he gives up a grand slam walk-off, six runs, and only recorded one out. That's not Josh Hader. That's not the guy that you know. You know you're accustomed to him giving up home runs. You know, a couple of years ago, that was his bugaboo. He'd always give up home runs, but it'd be a solo shot or maybe a two-run homer. But good luck stringing multiple hits together. Now he's hit, getting giving up singles, walking guys on four pitches, giving up homers. Things that you're not accustomed to seeing with him. That's why I'm hoping this all-star break really gives him a little bit of a rest and he's able to get things back going because I don't know that anyone's really saying that he should be moved out of the closer role because of how well Devin Williams has pitched, but I mean, it's something that if it continues going on for a little while, you'd have to consider. And that's just crazy to think about with Josh Hader. Then you look at Saturday's game and the Brewers actually played well it was a low-scoring affair, and then you have that terrible balk call, which I don't think we needed to talk about anymore. You saw it over the weekend, and I'm sure you had the same reaction that all of us Brewers fans did and discussed that a umpire felt like he needs to insert himself in that situation, and that ultimately cost the Brewers that game. And that's really disappointing. And then Sunday, obviously, just got walloped, so... Disappointing series to go into the All-Star break for the Brewers, losing three in a row. So hopefully they can get back on track coming out of the All-Star break. But I think this couple-day reset will be really good for them, and it will give them a chance to kind of just reset, get back on top of things, and get things going for the second half when they get into this run against the Cardinals because it looks like the Cardinals are just going to hang around the entire time. and. I thought that the Brewers would be able to win this division pretty handily, and maybe they will at the end of it, but right now it's gonna looks like it's going to be a dogfight till the end with the Cardinals. 414-799-1250 if you want to hop in on the conversation. So also, last night began the MLB draft, and the Brewers made three picks last night, and their 27th pick was Eric Brown Jr., a shortstop out of Coastal Carolina. And he was the 50th ranked prospect, according to Keith Law. Here's what his scouting report said about him. It said, Brown is a toolsy shortstop with running speed and quick wrists, producing in college and on the Cape, despite a very unusual noisy approach that makes it hard for him to get his bat to the zone on time. He starts with his hands in front of his face, waggling the bat so he never really comes set, succeeding because his hands are fast, but with enough extraneous Movement that scouts question how well he'll hit the ball with this same approach once he's in pro ball. He says he doesn't chase out of the zone much at all and almost never does so on fastballs. He's a plus runner with footwork and arm to stay at short. So he has a high floor, but a little bit of a noisy approach. He said, I don't love how he does it, but he gets it done. That worries me a little bit, Adam. It really does. That you drafted a guy at short you know, the Brewers are going to draft guys up the middle. At this point, we know that 
It can get frustrating that they won't draft someone on the corners or whatever you want. But they're drafting someone up the middle. They draft a shortstop here, and good that he looks like he's got the defensive ability and everything that you want to see. He's got speed. But I'm not a fan of a team that struggles hitting the baseball, taking a guy that is very, I wouldn't say fundamentally sound at the plate with a swing, someone that you're going to have to work through some quirks and some kinks in that swing. I'm not a fan of that because this Brewers team hasn't shown that they can develop these sort of things. And I understand not taking an outfielder. Generally with Major League Baseball in the draft, especially in the first round or two, you take the best player available as opposed to doing what you do sometimes with the NBA or in the NFL and take for need. That doesn't happen so much in Major League Baseball just because of the fact that you take a guy and he's probably not going to make it to the majors for three or four years. And so by that time, your need then may not be a need anymore. So you kind of just take the best players available. But I'm not a fan of taking a guy whose approach needs to be changed up because the Brewers just haven't shown that they can do that with people. You know, it'd be different if you took someone who knows the strike zone well, like he does, which is good. I am encouraged by the fact that you have someone that has some pop and someone that has a good knowledge of the strike zone. I don't like the fact that you're going to have to work on his swing because I just don't know if I have faith in the Brewers to develop that guy. You know, if it's a pitcher that has a funky delivery, I'd be fine with that because the Brewers have shown that they can develop the pitching. Do I have the faith that they can develop a guy who has a little bit of a funky batting stance I don't know. Now, the manager of the Brewers, Craig Council, obviously he doesn't have a problem with a dude having a quirky batting stance because he had one. So that's not going to be the issue. But I just, I'm not sold on them developing a guy that already struggles at the plate with a little bit of a unfundamental sort of swing. He got it done in college, so maybe he's able to continue doing it. But if you're going to have a long approach to the ball, that's not going to work well against major league pitchers. You know, these guys aren't going to give you the time that you have to react to some college pitchers, and they're not going to miss their spots as much. The one encouraging and redeeming spot of this is that he does have good plate discipline, especially on fastballs, as Keith Law said. So that's good. I just, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that. 414-799-1250. Let's get out to Rocket and West Alice. Rocket, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I... You sound like a little bit of a downer with the Brewers. Um, they're in first place, right? Hey, man, let, let me tell you something real quick. Uh, I've, well, been the, I've been the I've been the I've been the opposite of what people have been saying. This is true. I have been generally the positive one. I'm not saying this Brewers team. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm speaking the general consensus of what people are saying. If you asked me where I felt about this Brewers team, I'm completely content with where they're at right now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know what? I, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. Uh, I haven't been to a Brewers game since they had a bobblehead for Chris Nilich uh, in 2019. And uh, it makes me sad. Um, I think the Brewers are doing what they need to do. Um, you look at the Dodgers. They spent... Two hundred million dollars mm-hmm. for for five years, and they finally won one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes a while, and, and that's yeah, the thing that it takes a while. It, it takes it, it doesn't take a while. It, it was smart. Well, and I think the Brewers have built a team, and I've said this: they built a team with hitters that are all capable of getting hot for a little bit, and the proof on this is going to be in the pudding because. Unfortunately, for guys that believe in the lineup, we don't get proven either right or wrong until October, essentially, because I think that they get hot at the right time. You could see this team go on a magical run and make it to the NLCS, even the World Series. But then at the same time, you know, I can keep saying all these things and you watch them in the middle of July and they come bases loaded. No one out. They don't score a run. And those are the disappointing things. Can I get one more thing in? Yeah, go for it. Um. I play DraftKings, so I, I do a lineup every day. Okay. And um, <laughs> if you look at these batters, um, 
they're hitting under 200. Yeah. Bellinger. Yeah. It's not the Brewers. They're they're not alone. Um, it's definitely something that's going on around pitching, Major League Baseball. Pitching. And I don't know what's going on with Josh Hader. Uh, that's concerning to me. That is. Um, and I know he's going to the All Star game. Um, if I was him, I'd say. I got a, I got a, I got a short. You know, I, I'm not going. Yeah, no, he he's already said that he's not going. He's sp- spending really? time at home. Yeah, he's, he's staying at home. He that? He's staying okay. at home. Yep. All right. Yep. Him. Right. Corbin Burns is not pitching in the All Star game, but he's going to the festivities, and Devin Williams is going as well. Amen. Thank you. No problem. Rocket, appreciate it, man. 414-799-1250 if you want to hop in on the conversation about the Brewers. Yeah, I don't know if I came across that way to Rocket or whatever, but I'm generally the most positive one. Me and Tim Allen generally come off as the Brewers apologists here at the station, whereas others are come across in different ways. I've generally been pretty positive about this Brewers team, and the tough part for me to prove my points about the Brewers is that all my stuff I can say, and I can keep saying it, but I can't prove it in July I couldn't prove it in June or May or April, and I can't prove it in August or September. I can only prove it in October. You and Bart are sort of like comedic foils when it comes to the Brewers. You have been pretty much eternally when it comes to this season, reserving judgment until we get to a certain point. And then with Bart, it's always literally this weekend. It was, uh, I'm not going to say anything bad. Oh, <laughs> scratch that. We're going to say everything bad this morning. Well, and I don't know that I'm reserving judgment. I'm fine going out and criticizing different things going on with this team, but I also realize the limitations that the Brewers have financially, being in a small market. And I don't, you know, there's places you'd like to see them improve, but am I going to get frustrated at David Stearns that Colton Wong is the starting second baseman? Uh, no. I'm frustrated at Colton Wong for playing like garbage. Am I going to get frustrated at them for signing the Christian Yelich deal? No, because Christian Yelich at the time was an MVP and it felt like you were getting a steal of a deal. It was a right move at the time. Didn't work out. There's multiple factors here. And I think ultimately this team, if everything goes right, can still win the World Series. That's just kind of where I'm at. Maybe that's too optimistic. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of where I feel. 414-799-1250. I just talked to him on the big show, but it is a different show, so you're welcome to call back in. Nate, North Milwaukee. What's going on, man? What's going on, Toby? Uh, I'm, oh, I, I get into drafts. I don't really get into the MLB draft like that because mm-hmm. there's so many players and so many different things that happen. Um, but for me, um, I, do, I do follow it, but for me... I didn't really like the first round um, of the draft. Um, you get two shortstops. I know that uh, it's like you could put them anywhere, but it's like for me, I I would like I would like to, I would have liked the guy who you could put at a first or third, um, a guy who 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 can get on base, swing for power, you know. Um, Sparky did his research and he saw had a guy that he liked. Um, that that could follow that trend, but it's for me. It's just like you haven't proven. Like they they are like I feel like they only draft from California and like in Texas. You know, I feel like expanding their they need to expand their like their scouting, and it's like you you should be able to get guys from the Midwest who grew up in the, who either went to school in this area, like in the Midwest. Um, east side, east side of the state. I mean, the country, or like in our area, because those mm-hmm. are who can best play. I mean, I know it's, I know it's like not like football where you can you get a punter. Um, you get a, if you're like the Buffalo, you get a punter that usually kicks in cold weather. But I feel like if you get guys from the Midwest who's used to playing um, April cold weather, you know, and have Success in that in that in that area of the, of the country, that's what you should be targeting. Like you get guys from California and stuff like that, and and it hasn't been working. Like name a nobody can name a prospect that we 
that we that we have in the last couple of years besides Castanera, who's actually seen the big league club um, and actually been in the big league club for a year or two. Nobody, you can't name anybody. Yeah. And their and their philosophy isn't changing. It's not adapting to. It's not even adapting to the fact that you got a DH now. So maybe you can waste a couple picks, especially on a guy who who can excel in hitting. Maybe his fielding isn't all well, but his hitting is excellent. Instead, you go for the guy who's whose fielding is great, but his hitting is suspect. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I get it. Nate, appreciate the phone call, man. Yep. 414-799-1250 if you want to hop in on the conversation. So I was curious. Nate mentioned that the Brewers mostly draft people from like the California, Texas area, and he wanted people from the Midwest or the east side of the country. So uh, Eric Brown Jr. hails from Bossier City, Louisiana. Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina product. This catcher today, Matt Wood, and I know we're now in like day two of the mm-hmm. draft, but Matt Wood comes from Gibsonia, Pennsylvania, went to Penn State, and then today they got the uh, shortstop array, Dylan, from Canada. So that's a pretty diverse pool they're well, reaching and to. Here's the thing with, with Nate State. I don't have a problem with where they draft their guys from. I couldn't care less where you come from. You can come from internationally. You can come from West Coast, East Coast, South, North, Midwest. I don't care. But I don't necessarily always agree with their philosophy that they're only going to draft guys up the middle. Because they are going to draft shortstops, generally, center fielders, catchers, pitchers. And I get the point of why you do that. Because a shortstop is generally going to be your best fielder on the infield. And just because he played shortstop when you drafted him doesn't mean you can't shift him over to third or second. You know, you look at Luis Arias, and he's generally more of a second baseman or shortstop, but he's playing third base. So you could put him, you know, kind of over, all over the place. So I get why you're doing that. But the reason you do that is because those guys are going to be more valuable because of their flexibility in trades. You better trade for someone then, right? If you have six center fielders that are good, right now the Brewers' top 10 prospects, five of them are outfielders. Why don't you trade a couple of those guys and bring someone in to help you this year? Those are the kind of things that I think they need to do. Your philosophy of drafting up the middle is fine if you're going to try to acquire some guys, but if you're just going to ultimately sit there and just sit on your hands with all these guys and they all play the same three positions, well then, that's why you're lacking a backup first baseman because you don't have anyone in the system. That's why you're lacking a third baseman that's a general that grew up playing third and that is naturally a third baseman is because you don't have any third baseman in the system. You have shortstops, you have second baseman, you have center fielders. Outfield's not as much of a big deal, but that would be the only thing that I have an issue with with the Brewers. Again, like Nate said, when it comes to Major League Baseball draft, I do follow it, I read what people say, but I can't even try to tell you. I watched one game of Coastal Carolina baseball this year, so I can't break down for you Eric Brown. I just hope that in a couple of years he's able to get to the majors and make an impact for this baseball team. 12.50 a.m. the fan, not a big Shonda Clears radio station. No, it is not. No, it is not. Sparky gets into the Major League Baseball draft, and that's more power to him. That's not really my deal. But either way, I, I just sometimes with philosophies and different things, we can kind of dissect those and get into those, and I think that's something that I generally disagree with. But, you know, they're trying to revamp this farm system. And they've gotten a couple draft picks in the last couple years that have gotten some good prominence. Cheerios really raised up the, the the rankings for prospects this year. So maybe maybe we're wrong for questioning some of these things. I don't know. I don't know. I do want to hear an expert's opinion on this. Patrick Ebert, he joined the big show a little bit earlier today. And we'll hear what his thoughts are on the Brewers draft coming up next here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals here on 1250 AM. The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 12.50 a.m., the fan at Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Earlier today, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer talked with Patrick Ebert from D1Baseball.com about the Milwaukee Brewers draft, which we were just talking about a little bit. And I'm interested to hear what he had to say about this because I'm not a huge fan of the draft pick. Again, I didn't watch a whole lot of Coastal Carolina, so we'll get his thoughts. Sparky doesn't have a whole lot of faith in the Brewers drafting bats at this point. Neither do I. I'll say you're fair in the part of being concerned about them drafting hitters, right? Because you're looking at a Brewers team that has assembled pretty much everyone on their roster from, from outside of the organization. They haven't, they haven't done a very good job developing from within. Now that said, I'd much rather the team be good at developing pitching because it's a lot harder to acquire. Um, now, as far as looking at like the player and say they reach, you know, you can't really say they reached if they really liked the guy. And I know some scouts that really liked him and I know the metrics really favor Eric Brown in a lot of different ways. And you know, when you're looking at his hard hit ball data and his chase percentage and like the, the, the quality at bats and, and his defensive value, a lot of the other things that go into this question and the Brewers are a very, very heavy exactly. metric based yes, team. Correct. So they, they like these type of players. And then I, I saw some fans point out, well, he plays Coastal Carolina. Who the heck are they playing? The Sun Belt's a tough conference. And Coastal Carolina played some tough teams, and Brown had success against some tough pitchers. So, you know, you can kind of throw that argument out the window, too. I could care less about his bat. I could care less about the leg kick. Those are all just timing mechanism things and preferences for hitters. That You know, it may look a little Little League to some people, but really those things do not play a part into whether or not the player is going to succeed. So I understand your concern. Um, I just know a lot of people that I think Eric Brown – could be one of the steals of this draft. So, and again, I hope uh, for the Brewers' sake that he actually is a steal. My concern is, like you said, they're huge into the numbers, they're huge into the metrics. Well, they've been huge into all of that this entire time, and none of it has worked. None of it. They haven't developed a first baseman. They haven't developed a third baseman. Nobody has come up and done anything. Keston Hira was the one guy that, hey, if nothing else, he can hit. Defensively, yeah, he may not be great, and we knew that, but he'll hit. And he hasn't hit outside of that first year where they brought him up. And that's why, for me, I get the red flags of, if Hira can't figure it out with as good as he was in college, at this point, why am I to believe that them being as analytically driven as they are, that they're going to be right now? Yeah, I don't have an answer for that because, you know, I was a big fan of Keston Hira. I'm surprised that he hasn't been productive in his career. I had the chance to see him hit in college, and, and I thought he was one of, if not the best hitters that year he came out for the draft. And when he was drafted by the Brewers, I was pretty excited for them because I'm looking, I'm like, all right, they're, they're getting a legitimate bat. Hasn't worked out that way, obviously. Um, yeah, and you're, you're right about the size thing. You know, like Sal Freilich a year ago and 
Now, Bryce Terang's not overly big, and now you had you had Robert Moore and Eric Brown. Both guys are sub six foot players, so they're not adding these big physical players. And the one they did a year ago, the local kid Alex Benellis, they traded him away to Boston um, as part of the deal to get uh, Hunter Renfro this past off season. So, yeah, I mean, if if you're looking for power guys into the system, I, I do agree that that's the one area they would seem to need to address. Now, uh, you know, again, on the flip side. They like the up-the-middle type of talent, knowing you can move these guys to other positions. I like that approach overall, but at some point you do need to get some big bats. This is my – see, again, I'm going to get all fired up and angry about this because it's driving me nuts. (laughs) You – if I said this last week, if they would have been the front office, they never, ever would have drafted Prince Fielder. It never would have happened. He never would have been a brewer, Patrick Ebert. It never would have happened. I don't know because he too was five foot nine and may have had incredible offensive metrics. But he only played. Know. But he only played first. He wasn't versatile. They would have drafted Melendez That's from true. Texas had they, if had they even thought about that concept. He he should have been the, to me. That would have been the pick. That's a power hitting kid that can play first. Yes, he's limited to first base. So what? You don't have one. And now maybe he's at the at the majors. Maybe in two years, if everything goes right, in a band box known for American Family Field. And instead, we got a couple of uh, smaller dudes that are going to play up the middle like everybody else in the farm system. Let's move on. I'm getting mad. Uh, okay, let's talk about the the pitcher that they got from Crowder uh, Junior College. He's six foot seven. Jake Mizorowski, is that how you say his name? Tell us about him. Yep. Yeah, so Jacob Mizorowski is six foot seven, 190. So, you know, in the, in the scouting terms, that's like the definition of projection. Long limbs, uh, well-proportioned body, still has room to add strength, uh, has touched triple digits, meaning, you know, he's touched 100 miles per hour, pitches in the low to mid-90s, and has a really good slider. He does have a curveball and a changeup. He hasn't had to use them much. Um, simply because of the level of competition. He pitched at the JUCO level this past year and just absolutely dominated. Same college that uh, Aaron Ashby pitched at, and and now this is the third, I believe, notable junior college pitcher the Brewers have drafted the past four or five years with Ashby and then Antoine Kelly a couple years ago. So they like these big, projectable pitchers that they can get into their system mold them they've proven to have some success with this type of player that doesn't mean that you know Mizorowski is automatically going to be a big leaguer someday but at least they do have something to point to as opposed to the many candidates that you suggested on the hitting side you know they do have some good fortune developing pitchers I like the projection for this I like you know the downhill action a lot of the metrics again support him he gets good spin on his fastball makes it harder to hit he gets good extension on his pitches with when you're six foot seven you know, that makes it even that much more harder to hit. So, like, again, he's got a lot of those, you know, tangible qualities to him in the, in the metrics that support his case and leads people to believe that he's just scratching the surface on what he's capable of doing. There you heard from Patrick Ebert from D1Baseball.com talking about the Brewers draft a little bit earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show. It is Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM. The Fan, I'm Toby Altizer in for Steve Sparky 5 for today alongside Adam Roberts. One thing that I saw just came out the last couple of minutes. Are you a big World Baseball Classic guy? I can't wait for next year. Mike Trout is going to play for Team USA, and he is captaining Team USA. So maybe I'll have to get into this. You don't get to watch Mike Trout a whole lot, unfortunately, just because of where he plays and his team being rather bad (laughs) the last couple of years. Unfortunately... With Mike Trout and the stardom that he's had and how good of a player he is, he's kind of been buried and hasn't been able to have the recognition that maybe maybe he deserves. But captaining Team USA in the World Baseball Classic next year. So I'm excited about that. Uh, maybe I'll have to get more into the World Baseball Classic. That'll be fun. All right, I do want to talk a little bit about the Home Run Derby coming up tonight as the All-Star festivities get underway. And we'll do that next here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals on 1250 AM. The Fan. 12.50 a.m., the fan. It is Sparky's Midday Madness. I'm Toby Altizer alongside Adam Roberts here in the Lakeland University studios offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. 414-799-1250 if you want to hop in on the conversation. Do want to talk a little bit about the Home Run Derby? We had someone call us up listening on the Odyssey app out in Missouri. Kevin is in Branson, Missouri. What's going on, Kevin? 
Hello, how are you today? Good, how about you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, just wanting to talk about um, how many home runs do you think is going to happen today? <sighs> I got to go back and look. Because, like, what do you expect? About 15 or 12 to 15 around or so? And there's eight dudes? I think probably 12 to 15. Yeah, that's a pretty good number. Uh, let's go with, like, 140 or so total. That's, I, a lot of, that's a lot of home runs. Yeah, I mean, I'm just guessing. I'm spitballing here. I, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So who's going to be playing tonight? Yeah, so the contestants for tonight's Home Run Derby are, let's see, let me pull this up real I've quick. I've got it too if you don't, Tony. The, so they do a eight seeds, right? And they do like a bracket style now. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. one seed is Kyle Schwarber, eight seed Albert Pujols. The four seed. That's from our state. <laughs> four seed. Juan Soto, five seed, Jose Ramirez. The three seed is Corey Seager, six seed, Julio Rodriguez. And the two seed, Pete Alonzo, seven seed, Ronald Acuna. So I think it'll be a fun one tonight. Yep. Do you think Albert Perhujos will do good tonight as well? Um, Kyle Schwarber is a pretty tough opponent to go up against. I am interested to see how he does. Um, I, I think he'll hit. Some, he'll definitely hit some home runs. I don't know that he'll get out of the first round against Schwarber, though. I think he'll probably hit eight or nine or so. I, I just don't think he can keep up with these young guns now. Okay. Yeah, well, that's all my questions I had. I just was wondering what's going to happen tonight. Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew for a fact. I, I would say out of the, all the guys, I think the least likely to win it is Pujols, but who knows? Maybe there's a little magic for him in his last year. All righty. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kevin. 414-799-1250 if you want to hop in on the conversation. Adam, who are you feeling tonight? Hmm. So I'm going over some of the DraftKings odds for different things tonight related to the Derby. They have uh, winning odds, and then they have the odds on the player to hit the longest home run out of the bunch. Uh, and as far as those numbers go, it looks like DraftKings is favoring the defending champ Pete Alonzo, plus 200. Schwarber and Acuna Jr., second and third on that list. Acuna, perhaps maybe a little surprisingly, is predicted to hit the longest home run of the evening. I would have thought Schwarber would have been top of that okay. list. Uh, Acuna plus 200 for the longest dinger. I think we could see, I, I, when I look at these matchups, uh, Acuna I don't think will get out of the first round against Alonzo. That's a tough draw for him. Uh, Corey Seager, Julio Rodriguez is very interesting. The rookie gets to take on a guy in Seager who was with the Mariners for quite some time before going to Texas. Um, your guy, I keep saying your guy, but no, I, I think you're, how much... you're thinking of Kyle Seager. Is it Kyle? Co- Corey Seager? Seager was with the Dodgers. Oh yeah, the, the last names are spelt exactly well, the same. Well, they're brothers. That is true. Oh man. Look at me, not knowing things. And then there's <laughs> no two worries. brothers playing on the National League roster mm, for the All-Star game, batting too. Batting five and six. Exactly. Back-to-back Contreras brothers. I do know that. Uh, now, <laughs> your guy for the interim, Juan Soto, uh, against Jose Ramirez for the er, Guardians. Uh, I'll take Soto to advance. Schwarber gets over Pujols. I, I said before the show started, I'd be surprised if Albert hits five. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, I'm going to go chalk probably and have Schwarber winning the whole thing. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Schwarber won the whole thing. I think I would probably take him to longest home run. That's who I'm going with, Julio Rodriguez. I think Julio runs into one tonight. Plus 800 in that category. I would not be surprised if he got on a little bit of a heater and won one of these two. I don't know. Maybe I could see him winning this thing. I don't know. It's just tough to beat... Schwarber and Alonzo. I think that's probably going to be your final two, and I think it's going to be a heavyweight battle. It's going to be fun to watch. You think he'll get out of the... Obviously, it, that would imply you think he gets out of the first round against Kyle or er, Corey. <laughs> uh, Julio? Um, yeah, I think he'll be Corey Seager. I think Corey Seager is all right. I don't know if I see him as a home run derby guy. Pete Alonzo, what is he going for, three straight? Yep. Yeah, that'd be interesting if he could do that. I mean... He just hits bombs. And it's it's not necessarily the most hitter-friendly ballpark, Dodger Stadium. It's going to require a little bit of a poke, especially the later the night goes, to try and get one out of there. 
Yeah, I think I'll probably go with... I'll go with Schwarber, because he probably should have won the one in D.C. Uh, against Bryce Harper. I'll I'll take Kyle Schwarber, because he, he's just been hitting the ball so well. And over the last two months, he's just been on fire. The month of June, when he was with the Nationals, he was incredible. The month of June this year just continued the same sort of dominance that he did last year. He's just been hitting dinger after dinger after dinger. So, yeah, I think I'm going to take Schwarber, longest home run, Julio Rodriguez. You said you'll take Schwarber. Who do you have hitting the longest? Uh, I'm going to go. Would it be crazy if I went both? Like, he'll hit the longest and he no, will win? No. I think that's that's my best bet. You mentioned um, how Harper won the one in D.C., Joey Votto obviously winning the one in Cincinnati. There is no home field advantage tonight for this roster, no Dodgers hitting in the home run derby this evening. And like you mentioned, numbers I think are going to be a little bit lower this year. Dodger Stadium, not the most home run friendly ballpark. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge if you're expecting lots and lots and lots of long balls or ones that are hit on the roof in left field or something like that. I think you're going to be disappointed, but that could make for closer rounds. So if you like things coming down to the last few pitches, this could be the derby for you tonight. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens tonight. It should be a fun one, so you can tune into that tonight. You have the All-Star game tomorrow. Be interested to see if Devin Williams gets in on that one and see what he can look like against some of the AL's best. That'll be a fun one as well. Make sure you keep it tuned here. We'll bring up the Home Run Derby, give you the results tomorrow if you're not able to watch that. Talk a little bit about the All-Star Game on Wednesday after that takes place Tuesday night as well. Got you covered here with the best Brewers coverage, best Packers coverage, and of course the best Bucks coverage as well here on 1250 AM. The Fan, and that'll wrap it up for Sparky's Midday Madness here on 1250 AM. The Fan presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Next comes up the Fan Afternoon Show with guest host Toby Altizer and Sam Schmitz. Did you just refer to yourself in the third person? Don't do that. I'll still be here for the next three hours, so keep it tuned here at 1250 AM, The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 